So uh, we are in the book of Judges. We're toward the end of Judges. We've been in Judges for a while, if you've been with us over the course of the past few months. We're in this big story that the Judges takes up several chapters, and it's the story of Samson. Now, the people of Israel, they are enslaved to the Philistines at this point. Uh, what we discovered last week is they don't even care. So they're enslaved, and they, they just don't care. They're, so they're actually unaware of how free they can be in relationship with God. Now, let's remember for us on this side of Jesus, in Jesus, we are as free as we ever need to be. So our relational status with God is secure. We're, we have as much freedom in our status with God as we ever imagined. Totally secure. And yet we are still becoming more alive to that freedom on a day-to-day basis as a Christian life. I'll reread some of the passage that Brian read for us and we'll work our way through it. Judges 14, 1 through 4. So at this point, Samson, the baby that was born last week that we talked about in chapter 13, he's now a young man. Samson went down to Timnah and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines Then he came up and he told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives? It's a little creepy, right? Or among all of our people, much better, that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she's right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord. For he, meaning God, was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. So point number one is this, the uncertainty we dislike, thinking about these parents, right? The uncertainty we dislike could be future comfort for our hearts. This summer, my family went out west and one day, we were going to take our family up into Yellowstone. And so we tell the girls, hey, tomorrow morning we're going to wake up like real early. We're going to go for it. And so we've got a 5.45 wake-up time. It's vacation. Okay, so this is what we're doing on vacation. We're going to wake up at 5.45. We've got to make the drive up to Yellowstone, get into Yellowstone. We need to be at the Old Faithful Lodge at 9 a.m. We're going to beat the crowd is what we're going to do. So we're pushing them and they're sort of into this adventure, like they're kind of into it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, thought this was vacation, um, not sure. But what they didn't know is that we were holding a secret, my wife and I. Because a month earlier, we had told some friends of ours that were also out there, hey, let's meet to surprise our children. Let's meet at the Old Faithful Lodge lobby at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. And they have three girls, and we have three girls, and we're just going to have them, like, collide. Now, our children didn't know that, so we're waking up at 5.45. I'm driving up. I'm like, hey, we got to keep the time. Yeah, beautiful waterfall. Who cares? we got to get to the Old Faithful Lodge. We pull up. We park. Ten minutes to go. It's, like, perfect timing. It can't get better. And then the, usually the best thing became the worst thing, and that was the geysers about, Old Faithful's about to blow, which is like, if you've been to Old Faithful, to show up right when it blows is like a gift. It's like a miracle that you're not having to like just wander around for a while. But for us, I got to get them to the lobby at the lodge, right? Higher purpose going on here. 
and yet it's about to blow, and they're, they're not budging. They're like, no, like it's starting to spew, and so we're standing there, and I'm like, we got to get over there. Like that's where we need to be, and now four minutes, this thing's starting to blow, and I'm like, I think, hey, I think there's a better view over here. I've been here a few times. Like there's a better angle if we go left, and we had a perfect spot. I mean, it was a prime spot. Like, like there's nobody in front of us. And it's like, hey, let's move over here. And we're, we're, I'm like moving them slowly. And every time they're getting, we're getting a worse view. And they're kind of like thinking, dad's crazy. Dad's losing it, right? But they have one purpose. And I have a, a bigger purpose going on at the same time. So finally, Old Faithful blows. Ooh, you know, wow, well, you know. <laughs> Maybe you've seen it. So it's a, what happens is a lot of water goes up in the air. <laughs> That's what happens. So we get him to the lobby, and then my buddy Jake has his family in the gift shop, and he's looking out the windows of the gift shop, like, waiting for us. Like, weird. Like, this was an old-school meetup, because you can't, like, text, because it's not reliable. And Yellowstone, like, you have to be there, right? Like, old-school, remember? Like, you're like, hey, I'll meet you at the water fountain after school at 3.30, and you just had to show up. Like, there's no, like, I'm 10 minutes late or anything. Like, you have to be there. And so 9 a.m., you have to be there. And we're, like, four minutes late. He's looking out the window. So he sees us come in. He goes militant dad on his children in the gift shop. Like, hey, time to go. Let's go. Let's go. Nope, not buying it. You know, and they have their own thing. Like, what is happening to dad? And we've seen militant vacation dad. So they're, like, not messing with him. So his girls come out of the gift shop right when our girls around the corner and they just collide and all six girls just collide together and they're all friends and there's like all this squealing and (laughs) hugging and happy tears start no happy tears at the geyser okay just (laughs) fill you in one of the wonders of the world no happy tears but to see some people that you love on the other side of the country, as a complete surprise, happy tears. Right? So you, you pick up my point. Like Sometimes one thing is happening, and it's really hard to see. Because maybe life is really hard. But it's possible something else can be happening also. And you just can't see it. And maybe you won't see it for months. Maybe you won't see it for years. Maybe even you won't ever see it. But it doesn't mean it's not happening. The Samson story is complex because we have this thing that's happening for later, right? Like God's orchestrating, trying to free his people from the Philistines. So this is a good thing that God will do. We're going to see it next week in Judges 15, the fullness of this. But it's worked out through Samson's unwise choices. So Samson has one purpose, and God's working out a greater purpose to free his people. Samson goes to the other town. He sees this lady. He comes back. He's like, I want her. Now this was not like marrying a lady from Ackworth. This was, nothing is Ackworth, I'm just saying like neighboring town. <laughs> nothing against Ackworth, this was not that, not what this was. This was like marrying a Nazi general's daughter during World War II. Like, like that's what this is. That's the weight of this. These are the people enslaving us, and you want to marry, that's who you want to marry? 
I mean, the, the parents are like, can you not find somebody? Can you not find somebody? Like, like you're Samson. Like, like, like he's like a Fabio. He's, like, like he's got muscles. He's got long hair. I mean, like, certainly you can find somebody. But Samson is young, which pretty much means we're stupid, right? Like, so he's a moron. And he wants that girl that pleases his eye. So we have unwise choices. We've all made unwise choices. And yet, despite that, God can redeem these choices for purposes. And yet, that doesn't excuse us into foolishness at the same time. Listen to Paul calling us to a life of wise choices. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we are called and equipped by the Spirit to walk in wisdom. Make wise choices. Don't make life harder on yourself. And some disobedience to the Lord. And yet, live long enough. Live long enough. And you will live unwise. You're not perfect. I can just free you up from that tiring persona, right? Trying to think that that could actually happen or that you are that. Just ask your friend or your spouse or your child. That could be your lunch conversation. Just tell me, like, how am I imperfect? Because they have the list. They have the list for you. I do wonder how many times you were in the wrong. Like, you did something wrong or you had like the wrong motive, or you want you just wanted something wrong, and then and then like a week later, or a month, or a year, maybe years, that wrongness has been redeemed for some good. How many times have you thought you had it figured out? Like you thought you knew the way, like the thing that was pleasing to your eye. You're like, no, no, that's the, the thing pleasing to my eye is the thing God wants. For me, and that's the thing you're praying for. That's the direction. You're forcing that. You're all into that relationally, job, whatever it is. And then like five years later, you're driving down the road. Garth Brooks, unanswered prayers, comes on the radio. And you're like crying. Thank you, God. You know, right? All the time. All the time. I mean, think about this verse four. His father and mother did not know it was from the Lord. So one thing's happening, and yet something else is happening. Now, I'm really tired of trying to reconcile God's sovereignty and self-determination. Like, that's not a conversation I enjoy anymore. I did in college. That was fun to go round and round. There's your second lunch conversation. (laughs) Y'all can figure out God's sovereignty and free will. Just report back to me how it works. Let me know. Here's what I like in this text, because I think we can relate with it, is thinking about Samson's parents. Something good is happening. Something good is happening. God is going to free these people from slavery, and they can't even see it. All they see is their child's disappointing behavior. Now let's think about God's purpose in all this. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man. I mean, think about Samson right there. 
but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his purpose or his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Philippians 1, 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verses 5 and 6, back in Judges 14. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion, so not like a big one, a young one, came toward him roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hands, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. And some of us are going like, maybe I could handle a goat. <laughs> and like, maybe some... Like, maybe, like, like, a man could take out a young lion. Not like me or you, but, like, like the rock or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, it helps us get, like, a picture in our head. Like, not me and you, but, like, the rock. Okay? And now we're like, yes, he could. Okay? So Samson did that, just like the rock could do it today. Just to let you know how this is working. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Point number two, God can use small victories in the Spirit. That's what the text says. It says the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. So God can use small victories in the Spirit to help us trust him through the bigger difficulties. Now here's what I mean by that. The spiritual practice of recounting God's faithfulness from the past can help us in the present moment for hope, faith, joy, Peace. King David does this. David, back when he went to fight Goliath, 1 Samuel 17, 34-37. Listen how David reasons out giving himself enough faith to go and fight Goliath. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me. From the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. So God did something then. Remember when the Lord did this? Remember when the Lord did this? And he can do something again. So we could say it another way I will wait on him. I will wait on him. He is unchanging in his purpose for me. So calling on God's past faithfulness for the present day could sound something like this. If God never left me when blank. 
and he's unchanging, then he is still with me today. Now that's a powerful spiritual practice. If God loved and matured me, even when I... and he's unchanging, then he still loves and matures me today. So back in Judges 14, Samson goes down to the woman and to her people. Samson makes a bet with this group of people. He puts a little riddle in front of them. So now the egos are in play. Who's dominant? And the bride's people, they can't figure out the riddle. They're starting to get embarrassed. They don't want to be humiliated. They don't want to be shown up. And so they start to put pressure on the bride. Hey, go get the answer from Samson. Whisper it back to us so we're not humiliated. And this is point number three is this. This is what we see play out in Samson. Certainly true about us. We are both strong and weak, but God is always sufficient. Samson just took out a young lion, like the rock, took the lion out. Now he's not even going to be able to withstand a little pressure from his future bride. The scene reveals a crack in Samson's character. Judges 14, 17 says, She lay sore before him. Now that's a weird translation. Another language, another translation says this. She continued to press him. She has the spiritual gift of nagging. (laughs) Some of you are really blessed with this gift. Lay sore is the word suck, meaning distressed or pressing. Now here's what's interesting. That same word is in Judges 16.16, be a couple weeks from now for us, and Samson has a major life crisis. So same word, Within a tight time span. You got to think, somebody wrote this. This is an author writing this. Chapter 14, and then chapter 16. Chapter 14 precedes 16. First, there's a crack, then, there's a failure. And here's the lesson for us. Dale Ralph Davis, the theologian, pastor, commentary, he he words it this way. So good, so good for us. The point should not be lost on any of Yahweh's servants. Awareness of our weakness is the beginning of safety as later Samson's have discovered the hard way. Awareness is the spiritual practice of praying to God, God, show me the entirety of my heart. Like, I want to see as much as you will reveal to me. And then you're willing to be quiet. Like, you just shut up. And you sit. Or you walk. And you let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you what might begin to pop up. And you acknowledge that. And you honor that. And you admit that. Because the Holy Spirit will bring comfort in your beauty, that you were created in the image of God. You're significant in your soul. Nobody can steal it. The Holy Spirit will speak that to you. The Holy Spirit will speak how good the rescue of Jesus is for you, that you're fully righteous apart from your work, fully by what he has done. You're redeemed, nothing more to do. You'll have that comfort from the Holy Spirit. 
and the Holy Spirit will bring awareness for your good, awareness and conviction of cracks in your character. And this is why for us, for me and for you, the Christian life, a life of growing in grace, that is a life of contemplation and confession. These are the same thing. Maturing in Christ, growing in grace. It's a life of contemplation and confession. Last two verses, 19 and 20. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went down to Eshkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house. And Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. Okay, quite the ending of the story, right? And we have to come to some acceptance here The text says the Lord rushed upon him and then he went down there and did all this devastation. And we have to come to some acceptance in the fullness of God that God's bigger than a cuddly teddy bear. But he is a heavenly father who is a warrior. Here's what I mean by that. Point number four, your heart is forever safe in God. Now, God's not necessarily safe in that like cuddly, safe way. But your heart is forever safe in God to repent, heal, rest, and grow. And the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, C.S. Lewis writes it this way. It's a conversation between Mr. Beaver and he tells Susan about Aslan, the great lion who rules Narnia. But Susan hasn't met Aslan yet. Here's the conversation. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe? Said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. See, the Bible gives us the fullness of God. We have a creator God. We have a mighty warrior full of justice. We have a tender Abba. And we have an ultimate redeemer. This fullness of God that we get to just even begin to get our minds and hearts around. This creator God that chooses in Jesus that we get to know him relationally. Because of the cross, our sin cast upon Jesus, his righteousness given to us, and because of the cross in Christ, we get to know this creator, Yahweh, mighty warrior, ultimate redeemer. We get to know God like a tender Abba. That's what Jesus teaches us, that we get to relate to God like a heavenly father. That's how good and secure our relational statuses with God. And he is on a mission. He's on a mission. It's what the story is telling us. To free our hearts from slavery that we don't even care we are in right now. That's how much he loves us. That he wants us to experience even more the freedom that we already fully have in Christ. So my brothers and sisters, for he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day 
of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your goodness to us that while you are fully just, you are fully loving to us. And that we get to relationally know you as a tender heavenly Abba that fully accepts us and has limitless grace to us because you are gracious. Help us to be the kinds of people that in the safety of your grace can pray, God, show me the entirety of my heart and that we don't have to be in fear that we would be destroyed by such knowledge or awareness, but that we could grow even more to honor what we hear from your spirit, to admit to it, to confess, and to grow in you, to grow in your likeness. Help us to be even more secure in Jesus today and help us to grow in that freedom as we respond to your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.